Hello listeners, uh, this is not a new episode of the Woolwork podcast. I am still on a hiatus, somewhat unscheduled and enforced due to other things going on in my life. Uh, but I thought while I'm not podcasting, it would be nice to dip into the back catalogue and reissue a few older episodes. I asked on my Instagram stories which episodes folks would like to hear again and also which episodes um, followers thought new listeners might be interested in and this was one of those episodes which was suggested. I am delighted to bring it to you once more and I really hope that you enjoy it. There will be new episodes of Woolwork at some point soon. Uh, There has been another curve of the curveball for us off mic and, you know, things other than this podcast have to take priority and I can't be sorry about that. So um, I still have to do the prize draw for the tin can knits along. I don't actually know where the prizes are at the moment post move. I don't even know where my microphone is. I'm doing this with my phone. Um, But... If you have patience, it will all come in good time. Uh, Similarly, wool explorers keep on exploding with your Hebridean, Zvatbull, Whiteface Woodland and Shropshire. They will still all have a starring role in the podcast this year. Uh, But just think of this as more exploration time. And if you have been thinking about participating with wool exploration, this is the perfect time to do it. So hop on over to the Woolwork group on Ravelry and find the threads for the 2020 breeds and I'm really looking forward to seeing those uh, later on in the podcast this year and finding out how uh, you found them Uh, until next time friends and listeners take very good care This episode of the podcast was first released in May 2015 when the podcast was still known as Knit British Very sadly, in 2018, Lizzie Simmons, who appears in this episode, died. I will always remember her with a massive smile on her face, ready to share a laugh. She was incredibly passionate about Shetland wool and textiles, and if you popped into the shop just to say hello, you could lose hours just sheiksing with her about wool and making. and welcome to episode 30 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British supports wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK. And I'm your host, Louise Scully. In this special episode, I go to Jimison's of Shetland and get a lock-in in their newly refurbished shop. So grab a whip, grab a drink, grab your conversational Shetland dictionary <laughs> and let's go. A few weeks ago, I was treated to a lock-in of sorts in one of Shetland's, well, if it's not the oldest, it's certainly one of the most well-established wool shops in Shetland. Jimison's of Shetland is a family-owned business specialising in the native Shetland wool for five generations. Starting in the 1890s with a shop which, which bought and sold Shetland knitwear, 
to over the centuries it's become a wool broker, a successful knitwear company, and finally Shetland's only commercial spinning mill. Add to that the retail shop and their online shop, all of which are still going very strong today. And I met with Gary, who is the fifth generation Jimison, and himself and Lizzie Ratter, who runs the shop in Lyrewick, were kind enough to let us have a little peek around their newly refurbished shop. For anyone who's been to Shetland at Wool Week or is familiar with the shop, it had, it's fair to say... Uh, a sort of late 70s chic he had a question mark there and it's recently had a major overhaul which has been work of a, of a couple of years actually which has culminated in the most recent development which is the refurbishment of the main shop itself so here's Gary to talk a little bit or I should say a pity bit as you're going to hear a lot of Shetland dialect in this episode and sorry there are no subtitles so you'll just have to listen and enjoy and imagine all the wool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gary's going to talk a little bit about the history of the Jimison's of Shetland shop and of the ma- amazing refurbishments as I say by the way, some of the refurbishing is still going on upstairs. Gary's dad, the CEO of the company, <laughs> is was working on a wall. So you'll hear the odd bang. And if you if you think that's unusual, that the CEO of the company is taking on the refurbishing himself, then you really haven't heard anything yet. Because through this interview, you'll realise that the work that goes on at Jimison's of Shetland really is a family affair. And we moved in here like 40 odd years ago. This is the third shop in Larrock. The first thing was on South Commercial Street, which was demolished. Or Church, Church Street. Goes Church. Up. So that, that building was gone. The um, second shop was next to the Bank of it's Scotland. underneath the bank, actually. It was like where the Bank of Scotland buildings is. Um, there was actually a, a chemist shop in there first. The worktop on our counter is still from that chemist shop. That's lovely. Kind of kept the old countertop. Um, so it's been with us for a lot of years. Mm. Um, and then we bought this building. Mm-hmm. This was actually a house. And then yeah. we moved in uh, at that time. We, it did get a fair bit of refurbishment at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the shop floor, maybe not so much, because obviously it was originally a shop. Mm. Um, so it was kind of almost ready to go. Um, but up the stairs where we do a lot of the for storage and assembly work of the knitwear and things. That got a fair bit of, fair bit of refurbishment. And there's actually a grade A listed building. <laughs> yeah. but there's um, perhaps this building that's for the early 18th century, mm-hmm. like yeah. the 1720s, yeah, something. something like wow. that. Yunbak Wa, which is about four feet wide, is, is the oldest bit. Oh no, we hate oh, historic did. Scotland. Right? <laughs> really? Back. The whole way, yeah. yeah. To the point where there's a single glazed window that yeah. we've me. It's the same listing on this as there is in Edinburgh Castle, so you can imagine. <laughs> Quite <laughs> and, rightly. And, and, at times you would swear we had been doing up Edinburgh Castle, but no, to be fair, we, we, we were given a lot of help along the way, mm-hmm. um, and they were always very encouraging. I mean, but, yeah. and, you know, we've, we had his head like a pent a couple of times. And you've had, then. yeah, you've had a lot of scaffolding up, because the Fair Isle scaffolding, that thing has been my, my most shared <laughs> Pinterest pin ever, was that was Fair Isle scaffolding. It was brilliant. I got some mocking when I was sat on the 
what's happening with my grafters shooing on. The panel. <laughs> that was really good. But I needed to, we were invisible. Yeah. That was the first year because it was two years to do the, the harling because it was lime harl. Oh, lovely. Lime, yeah, it was all lime. <laughs> so the first year, just coming up into. You know, coming up into tourist season, coming up to Wool Week and, and everything else, it's like, well, you can't see that we're here at all. It's no. just about, like, scaffolding. So I just put that on. Brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was genius. <laughs> no, it was a stroke of genius. <laughs> and fuck, you know, something to speak about. And yeah. it, it caused a bit of hilarity, if nothing else, and it pointed was out. In terms of the inside, it feels so much bigger. It is bigger. There was a false wall, which Gary called the coconut shack. It's a, it was, yeah. It was, a bit, it was a bit kind of shoulder height, but it took. It was a bit a meter, meter and a half. Mm-hmm. The shop that was just not usable. Plus the cupboards were twice as high and twice as wide. Yeah. So we've got so much more space now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the carousels with all the jumpers crammed in, so you couldn't see what they were. You can just see them. You can see it. It's all <laughs> so lovely. I love the the wall of wool. At anybody Iron Festival, quite a few folk could say to me, "Have you been? Have you been in yet? Have you been?" But there's a wall of wool. And when I came in the other day, I was like, "Whoa!" It's just lovely. No, I suppose you had it all on show before. It was difficult to display. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, I mean, the old square pigeonhole on the yeah. right was designed to tack heads of wool. Because that's how it was sold then. Yeah. It was hides of wool um, and hanks and skeins. Um, and fewer colours. Yeah, and a lot fewer colours. Mm-hmm. And fewer yarn weights. I mean, we never had double knit. Hmm. I mean, double knit was something that only came in 10, 15 years ago for worse, worse sales. Um, and I mean, pigeonhole would have needed completely remade. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we moved to Bas, then they all used to rumble at the pigeonholes. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there was 50 colours of double knit and we did in the Havut. There was mm-hmm. probably. F- Ten colours or less, we couldn't keep out. Mm-hmm. There was none of the chunky was out, the, the, the model at all. We just had that up the stairs and there was the heather was out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's 48 different colours okay, that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and y- people are coming in going, oh my goodness, have you got all these new lace colours? Like, no, <laughs> because there was nowhere else to put it. <laughs> so no. it, is made a, it is made a big difference. And yeah. I mean, bars are really hard to display yeah. because they roll around. They're they really do. hard to get out of. And it was actually my mother that came up with this idea. She was, she couldn't sleep one night. And we're, we'd been discussing how we would display this stuff. And uh, at about three o'clock in the morning, she rose and she got through to the kitchen. She got a pan <laughs> and she stood there and she packed some bars in this pan and the next day she came to know, <laughs> brandishing a pan full of bars of wool would say, Sent me a bottle. <laughs> yeah. we, could, we could, if we could get rune things to keep it in, you see, and hence the and plastic circles. And yeah. they're brilliant and they're clear and it adds mm-hmm. to the light hole, light to the place. Yeah. And it's, an ex- it's an excellent idea. A great idea. It seems to have really worked. Yeah. And also, God knows how, but we managed to fit it all on the one wow. Yeah. So yeah. we're not allowed to change for shade kit ever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's somehow and completely flukely, it fits perfectly, yeah. which should not have happened. It really does. But it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very beckoning. Mm. It's very beckoning. Yeah. I think I think when uh, when uh, Will comes and you get all that they're going to go mental. They're going to go mental. Mm. They be, went mental before. You will be doing more living your shots. <laughs> and we also moved the counter out the floor a bit yeah. to try and let Fock to get in well because it does make it a bit easier. No, I think. It was almost like they were segregated for the yarn whereas now it's like, please come in. Come in. Have a dig. Yeah. Yeah. As I mentioned already, Jamisons have the only woolen mill in Shetland. That's situated in the small village 
called Sanus on the west side of Shetland, which Gary says is pretty much the edge of the world. <laughs> the process the clip which comes in and it's processed, dyed, carded and spun into their vast array of weights and colours. And they also run a successful knitwear business from the mill as well as producing woven cloth. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot to look after. <laughs> it's a crazy idea, my dad's really. Uh, well, no, actually, technically it was my grandfather's idea. Um, and... Uh, when we started being just a wool broker, then uh, it was always sort of the dream to be able to sell a wholly made in Shetland yarn. Mm. <clears throat> and it wasn't until, oh, I don't know, must have been about the time that we were doing this place up, so it sort of ended in the 60s. My father was just leaving the school. Mm-hmm. He'd been offered the job to go away and learn how to build aeroplanes or something, you know, and uh, and he turned but it down. He would have been, yeah. <laughs> um, but he turned it down. Um, because they had the opportunity to, to set up an experimental mill in Sanus, in the old U-shade that we had, the old uh, shade that we still use today. That's where we buy either clipping and we do either wool sorting and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so being told that you couldn't spin Shetland fleece into yarn because it was too soft, um, he took that on the chin and, and they bought an old carding machine um, and they bought an old spinning frame and they hand-washed some wool in a, thing with an old hand mangled and mush the water out and they sprayed on Cairdan oil with a lemonade bottle with two oils in the lid <laughs> you know, to say it was an experiment was uh, understatement and then they really didn't know how to set up a Cairdan machine but you know we have, we have fair bit of head scratch and all the rest of it, they got this thing up and running they managed to produce some rovings at the end of it so then of course well how do you spin yarn um, now my father had spent a pretty bit of time doing a side uh, Johnson's um, in the borders and seen a lot of the processing and, and things and sort of stood and watched I think he was about three or four weeks doing there or something like that so he had some idea how it should how it should look mm-hmm. if not how to get it there um, and they managed to get a grain spun and uh, and of course it was thick and thin and it was all out of the shop but they got it spun um, they really were starting for scratch I mean they didn't kind how to piece in on the, on the spinning frame which is like the first thing you have to learn when you start to spin is how to piece in. And, and my grandfather <laughs> got an old barrel and he sat himself at the front of the spinning frame and he broke an end and he sat there and he just kept trying to tie it and kept trying for like a morning until, oh, he got it to work. <laughs> and then he had to think, now how did I do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so stop stop the machine kind of, and look, pull, pull it back till he saw how he'd managed to get the piece in. And, and, you know, and it turns out that is the right way of doing it anyway. And it doesn't hurt. That you come from a family of mechanical geniuses. Peter can fix fix anything, anything mechanical, and Gary can do pretty much anything with a computer. So it's fine. I've had no choice but to learn. I was going to ask you that. Did you did you think that be the fifth generation? Well, maybe not so much. Um, I get away to university to do mechanical engineering, and I hated every second of it. Um, Basically, because I was. I was learning how to shuffle paper out of the desk. It wasn't for me at all. Um, so I stopped going to uni and I went to college instead and I came to realise I was just going to shuffle a different kind of paper. I, no, this is not what I want to do. So I came home. I mean, I'd always rocked in the factory. I mean, I probably mm-hmm. started going down there when I was like 12. Um, and I had a pretty good inkling that one day I would end up back there. And this is what I really wanted to do. So, And I mean, the factory, 
It's all started out quite small. I mean, when we first started, we had one curd and one spinning frame. Um, you know, and now we have three. Um, and that was to keep up with demand, local demand, I might add. I mean, because we had a, a big customer here that used to buy knitting yarns for us. And we ran like 24 hours a day and we couldn't keep up with our demand. Um, you know, so we pay, we extend it twice. The factory's been extended twice and we've put in yet more machinery. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, that company got bossed. So that left was in a pickle, as you would imagine. So we had to look at our whys. And that was really where the, the hand knitting yarn was born from. Because we had all this machinery, you know, we we buy in the wool and we wash it, and then we dye it and we we blind it, the color blind it, mm-hmm. and then it's cared it, spun and twist it up into however many plies we're wanting to do, um, and then it's either used in the knitting on the or indeed the weaving, or then it's again we we hank it back into good old fashioned big fat skeins and we get it on the wash and that's reconned and then it's balled. Then it's bagged and packed and hopefully sent to you, sent to somebody. So I mean, there are an awful lot of things in yeah. there, a lot of hands to be, mm-hmm. to be touching it before you get to the where you're going. But I had always had an interest in mechanics and stuff. Fell off my first motorbike at nine and never looked back. Mm-hmm. And that kind of mm-hmm. idea, and that's it, it's something that's kind of in you, I suppose. Do you think the wool is in the veins? I think it probably is. <laughs> it's certainly, probably in the lungs, if not else. <laughs> Um, and the cardin oil is in the dermatitis, but no, no, I'm only joking. Uh, it's um, no, we, we've, you know, as a family, we, it's a very much a family thing. Um, I work there <clears throat> full time, so is my mother and father, um, and my sister is, is part time as well. But she did work full time before she became a full time mom. Um, you know, our parents are all at school now, so she's able to come back to the factory and do a bit of work. And so, what size of workforce do you then? Between both companies, which is like the knitwear side of things, and mm. and the, and the spinning mill. We have about 40 on the books all together. Yeah. And we only ever meet at like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not an intentional segregation. <laughs> Honest. No. I have been to the mill since I started working here. <laughs> How long was that? Three years. Three years. <laughs> I, I get before. Yeah. I used to go with my mum for time to time, but I happen to be working every time so yeah. But once I go off on maternity leave, you're, I'm going to come back. Well, they'll let it go for a little bit. Because for ages. <laughs> And now I, I appreciate this is this is audio and you can only imagine the wool and the colours and the wondrousness of Jimison's of Shetland. But I just wanted to pause a little bit before Gary and Lizzie talk a bit about the woven cloth produced at the mill. In this section I mention some of the tweed capes and jackets that they have in the shop. These aren't on their website, so please look at these on um, the pictures and the show notes. They are so soft and drapey, and the Shetland tweed really is a beautiful cloth, and here's Gary to tell you a bit about it. It's a very traditional tweed, I think would be the way to put it. Um, what really makes work tweed different for anybody else's tweed is that it's actually made with knitting wool. I mean... Normal weaving yarn has got a lot more twist in it, so it's got a lot stronger. It's probably worsted spun, um, especially if you're making kilts. It has to be worsted spun for that and that kind of thing. Um, so we kind of run the machinery very fast because it's soft. Um, but, of course, that produces a lovely soft cloth at the end of the day. And, I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, when you it's, see it made up into things, it's... It's really... With the, 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 the like capes and the ponchos and things you have here, 
I think they're just spectacular. They really, they look so different to any kind of like Harris tweed. They look like they have such more of a drape to them mm. and certainly they look like they're softer. Harris tweed is a lot thicker. And it's a, a lot, lot stronger. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, the, feel... even the why, why they spin it, it's it's got a lot more twist than it, as I say. I mean, it's, it's made for weaving. Uh, they'd have basically, it's like a thicker warp with a thinner weft out of tap water, whereas we would use a single ply of our spin drift is what we use to make our cloth. Yeah. So, and, and unless, because we're doing like rugs and stuff, and then we use maybe three ply or, or the two ply, any wine that's our brush finish, so it puffs up really puffs nice. Up. Three ply is double knitting, two ply is spin drift. Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> the names means nothing to us. We just work with numbers as well. <laughs> Fuck time to phone and I, all, all the things we names, and I, I'm sitting there racking my brain as to what number that is, because it's all, that's how we, how that's we do how it in the factory. Well, well it's, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> do you deal a lot with the dyeing? Because... That is one of my main jobs, is yeah, actually the dyeing. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of just happened that like, I came home <laughs> and the guy who was doing the dyeing had gotten another job and he was moving on. And we sort of looked at it and thought, well, it's, it's no really... If you brack up the colour blinding and the dyeing, it's no really a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's something that I can come in in the morning and I put a dye on and it's bubbling away. And I can disappear and I can do whatever else needs done uh -huh. and I can come back again um, and check it, check the colour and if it's good to go, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, then I can slip out the water and I can do other things. You can do like two or three pans a day. Uh -huh. um, but, so it's a good job for me to do. Um, having said that, my time is becoming quite strained nowadays. I think I turned 60 last year uh -huh. and uh, he said, yeah, I can feel the pressure. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's still very much I would say not an eight till five man, more like an eight till midnight man. Uh, he, I think he works longer hours now than he's ever he's ever. Oh. Worked. But it's you know it's really has been his life's work, and yeah. he's been at it. And he's been at it for he was twenty. Wow. And uh, he's sixteen now, so he's been forty years in the trade, and he's we literally. I mean, the machinery that came to Shetland, there was nobody in Shetland that kinds how to set up a care machine. So that was the first yeah. thing we had to learn how to do, and it, it literally came in nuts and bolts in the back of a, back of a truck. And they lifted it into the factory and he started bolting it together. I would have so. just burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> I think people thought he was absolutely mental. And I mean, at the time that he was buying up machinery, I mean, it was all second-hand stuff we bought. Mm -hmm. when, when, we, when we were buying in second-hand machinery, a brand-new care machine was £3 million. That was in the 1980s. So as you can imagine, you didn't buy a brand-new care no. machine. No. <laughs> you bought an ancient one and you recovered the, the rollers, which we still have, um, you know, it was just a non-starter. Isn't one of your conning machines from like 1890 or something? No, it was actually the warping bank uh, that we do the warps for the for the weaving on. He's 1896. Um, Still working. Yeah. That was, 120 years that old. Was old. Things just were made to last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New. Yeah. Gosh, you'd buy something new and yeah. spend all that money on it, and you'd spend just as much money every year, like having it conditioned. And, uh, I mean, fast forward and to you what we do. You wouldn't be able to fix it yeah. because you couldn't have just like get somebody to mac a bit. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, <laughs> actually, you can't get anybody to mac a bit. We mac the bits. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you get a gear wheel cut or something. But yeah, I mean, but fast forward to what we do with knitwear. I mean, it's our computer-controlled knit yeah. machines. I mean, we buy we have Shimasugi machines. I mean, that's like nineteen nineties technology. Yeah. Um, that what we're what we're knitting on out there. But you still need the hand. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah well, you still high of activity watching all that hand finishing going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Well, yeah. that's one of the we we we've sort got of three yeah. to four women upstairs doing it here. We've got folk in their own houses still doing it, and they've got folk at Sanus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lincoln was very much a bottleneck for us. We could have gone down the road a 
sewing stuff together nice and quick. Mm -hmm. um, but dad being dad, he decided no, he wanted to keep doing it traditionally um, and putting it together with a, with a linker or a bender as they're cutting the borders. Um, and we hopefully are producing <laughs> producing a good garment at the end of the day, and it's because it, it stretches because it's yes. knitted. We it's knitted together yes. basically, um, so it's got it's still got that same stretch in it as the rest of the, the rest of the garment does. And, and the, the next matches the back. I think that was really important is to make sure the patterns match in the oxter yeah. armpit for anybody who doesn't care what oxter is. Um, <laughs> you know that's that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Silly pretty things it like that is really, really important. You need the human element to mm -hmm. be there. You, it's kind yeah. of all the The hood has to match. There's nothing <laughs> I hate more than seeing somebody who's made like a hooded garment. And the fair isle doesn't just fairly match it. That kills me. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't finish on the middle of my Yes, yeah. on, yeah. I mean, we, we do work maybe a pretty bit uh, anal in that in that route, is that we, we want to try and, and make sure it's as good as it can be. Quality control. Well, we try to make as good a copy of a handmade jumper as yeah. possible, and that's the idea. Fair Isle. Knitting will always keep on moving and changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. With the knitwear side of things, do you get a lot of call for, you know, different styles? Of yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that we do mm -hmm. try to do, is to keep... We, we try to stick with a traditional pattern, and then we try to put lots of different colour on it mm -hmm. and like hoods or yeah. pouch pockets or, you know, uh, we do these things with like belts on them and you, you can, and that's an awful lot of customer laid stuff. Yeah. And we also do some mental stuff for fuck one, like f a different back to a different sleeve to a, so these crazy that Japanese. Yes, like, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just, the more bonkers it is, the better. Um, so the, yeah. Some of the colour wise that go down really well in Japan do not sell well in the mm -hmm. shop yeah. because they're like, I cannot, like, they're like, but why is there violet in this? <laughs> the Mimosa, which is the bright yellow, the bright yellow, wow. is, was came from Mrs. Sato, didn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. uh, one of our big Japanese. Chihiro Sato's. Uh, yeah. uh, it was. That's, you would see in the dark. But, but we I actually mean, use exactly. 400 yellow a lot. It's in grouse and it's in merry dancers and it's in like I actually dye a lot of wool 400 yellow and it goes into a lot of color blades. So in order to make it into yarn, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, I dye it by the time anyway, so it's not a problem. That's gross. Yeah. Wow. There's four under the yellow in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, dancers. So you can see I the like yellow the here. You yeah. can. Wow. So they've all got something on it. That in it. <laughs> that's amazing. So you can really see the kind of the... And that's the beauty the of doing... Yeah, the blending. Yeah. I mean, you can actually... Because if you if you tell somebody that you could probably put grouse next to four hundred yellow and a bit of fair out, they'd say what? Why? It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah. But actually, but when you lay the two colours together, they're not a million mile apart because there's some of that mm -hmm. colour in there. So mm -hmm. it's certainly, I mean, the colour range that we have has just evolved because mm -hmm. of our knitwear. I yeah, mean, it's just like. Dad says, well, I need a something. I need a white that's not quite the such and such kind. And Murray Dancers was, was actually one. We needed a black that wasn't a black. And they were like, whoa, well, what do we do? So we'll put some colour in it. And then what do you cut? Oh, God knows. So it's really just a case of you, you mark what you feel you've got the need for, or do you yeah. go with chains at all? We have got such a massive colour selection when it comes to the Fair mm. Isle New that we really don't look at trend. Um, we can see trend mm -hmm. appearing, but what's on the catwalk and in the sort of very, very high fashion this year in the UK will be in Japan next year. 
they very much look at what's happening in the UK mm-hmm. um, so, and the Japanese very much want to buy into that. And I mean, Japan has been a fantastic uh, customer to us. Oh. I mean, for 30, I was three when my mother got out to Japan first. And that was with SKTA, the Shetland Knitwear Trades Association, um, of which we had we were members of until the day it, it demised. Uh, you know, we and we, we've made a lot of... Uh, contacts out there at the time yeah. and you know we don't even we don't even really work with agencies out there now. we just have customers that we can and, and we we obviously we still uh, promote the knitwear a lot we do yeah. videomo um in in florence every year and that's kind of the best menswear show mm-hmm. um and a lot of the lot of sort of foreign buyers comes into there and we're seeing more and more i mean we're, we're doing a lot of stuff out in the korea now mm-hmm. the korean markets really open wow. up we took our first ever order for china Wow. Yeah. So what percentage do you uh, do you export then? Probably about 95%. Really? Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. That's why I only get jumpers for the shop once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, it is the case. I mean, we, we've we been very lucky this last sort of five or six years. We've been turning away work. It's mm-hmm. been so busy. Um, and we were, were producing kind of 20-odd thousand garments a year sell it to the far east and i mean it's it's been good for us we, we can't complain oh, no. it's probably one of the reasons why we have a nice shiny new shop yes <laughs> <laughs> so you know but it, it's it's a lot of work um, um they're they're quite demanding customers uh, and, and i think everybody should be you don't get what you want if you don't ask for it um but also they're incredibly loyal um and they're incredibly nice people to deal with they've been fantastic for us um with the kind of the mail as well that's been going up oh, and up and up yeah, the whole absolutely. time i've been here it's been like yeah, I, I, I you were described to me as 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 mail order girl extraordinaire. Like, if you know this, <laughs> that's, that I, do like, yes, I, I do my best. I'll second that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I reckon we're doing double this year than we were doing last year. Even honestly, yeah. I really think we are. Um, it goes up and up, and like last one one day this week, I just looked at the, the orders and went, "Huh." I had one for Estonia, one for Beijing, one for Norway one for Australia and all four corners of the UK. Wow. Yeah. And that was just one day. And then today I sent something to Korea. And so, no, today I sent something to Bahrain, which is a first. Oh. Oh. I really need to get a map. Do they need, do they need wool in Bahrain? I don't think they do. But this lady wanted the wool for Bahrain, so that's fine. That's good. But, but, you know, it's, it's, it goes everywhere. We sent um, more to Russia than we have ever before. Mm. Which you know, it's it's, it's unusual. Yeah. You, know, it's, you don't expect it. Mm-hmm. My job started off being mainly shop. No, I'm mainly doing mail order. Mm-hmm. I really am doing. A probably, I'm back and forth into the shop because after twelve, it's just me that's here. Mm-hmm. But um, I would be in. I would normally I try and get the mail order out before two o'clock because that's the last post. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I don't always. <laughs> so yeah, usually it's 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 basically two hours a day doing the shop work, and the rest of the time it's doing oh, no. mail order. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I I certainly can. We opened our first e-commerce site. I think it was nineteen ninety nine. Sure, it was. That was when we went e-commerce with a with a yarn, and I think that first year, oh. I can't mind. Did we sell maybe three thousand pounds worth of stuff? Out? <laughs> you know, and 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 no, it it just pales in insignificance <laughs> in comparison to what we do now. And it's brilliant. I mean, we're very very lucky. We've got such a, a, a regular customer base. I think would be mm-hmm. the way to put it. We're a news shop, the the back shop bit, the bit that we get to see that tells us when people are repeat customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 
I don't know how often well, it's not a repeat customer, yeah. you know, so we're really, really lucky. Yeah. Like that we have a lot of repeats. Can you get all the uh, knitwear and the woven products online? No, unfortunately, that's the one thing we cannot put up is we're, we're knitwear, mm-hmm. mainly because this is sort of... We have such a massive selection, but we yeah. might only have one of them. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they've never been listed online. We we have always promised ourselves when we had time. I mean, this is something that we've had. We have one. Oh, I have not seen any. I've never seen this before, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I will never see it again. We the reason that we have such a good range in the shop, partly, is because we get if they're making a batch of something, we might they might make one or two yeah. extra, and we get them. Yeah. So we have a huge range of stuff, but like Gary says, or you will have one and a 40 and three 46s. Yeah. But yeah. nothing in between. Nothing yeah. in between. And also, I mean, it's, it could be left hours as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's probably a jumper that we made for somebody. We realised that we knitted one too many. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with the jumper. It's absolutely no. perfect. Um, so one of the great things about having a couple of retail shops is we can just sell it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something we've always wanted to do is maybe tack a colour Y and knit a complete range of sizes and then put it on an online shop um, but it just time time yeah. time yeah. I planned on doing that this year but I yeah. think it'll be next year now well your, your <laughs> tweet would run away we have the tweed squares oh, on yeah. there the yeah, back quarters that. and the three 12 yeah. inch squares mm-hmm. are on there but I mean I think pretty much a lot of the tweet that gets made is what Brian wanted to do that day <laughs> and a lot so of, maybe it yeah. doesn't happen again or, um, or Ross has gone I just needs lavender and has done that <laughs> but it just yeah. that's mm-hmm. it that that will never be made again so it's really hard to have that online mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it I mean we, we have stock tweed but it's at the factory and anybody ever phones and asks me about stock tweed so you know what you really need to just come and see what come we've got yeah. which is great if they live in Shetland but I you know yeah. there's some people sooth that say you know, I'm looking for something in a blue. Yeah. So, a a bond or a check or whatever. And we'll maybe have a couple of samples we can sing down to them. And we do try, but it, it's unfortunately one of the things that's on just finding time to cover yeah. all that basis yeah. is very, very difficult. Yeah. You go into the factory, it's great because you can go and you can get your tweet at whatever it is a metre and you can go yeah. and put your curtains up. The, these capes and everything are just fantastic. They mm. really are. That was a, a man that makes them. He actually based in Huddersfield or somewhere, isn't he? And, text, uh, good textile, yeah, good heritage. Yeah, good heritage. <laughs> um, and you know, he, we met him at um, the show we do in Ireland, the menswear show in Ireland. And he came on the stand. So I said, "Boy, you make this tweet. This is what I make." And and we sort of, he's a really, really nice man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of struck up a, almost a, a bit of a, a friendship, mm-hmm. more as a working relationship. And um, and yeah, we we put doing tweet to him to get made and he's quite willing to make wow you know and it is made in England yeah it's probably yeah. made in England it's all it's amazing yeah. really is it's very very in and timeless as well and very yeah and the new gloves that we're doing um, yeah. the Chester oh. Jeffries gloves that's <laughs> a, um, a oh. collaboration of oh my these again handmade in, in England Hand sewn, uh, hand gloves. Yeah. Sean at Chester Jeffries is uh, he exhibits at Pete Yomo and, and I've got to know him very well, um, and uh, yeah. he started to make these uh, these backed gloves with a fair isle. He made a few prototypes. He used to, he does them with tweed on the back as well, but the fair isle works better. That looks, it, that's um, lovely. It actually opens when you close your fingers, mm-hmm. unlike the tweed which we try to split. Mm-hmm. Um, so the knitted fabric works really good. So, yeah, that's, I, that's lovely that how the pattern goes <laughs> across yeah. the fingers. I love and that. And again, if you're somebody who knows about fair and stuff, it's straight. <laughs> pattern is, is consistent, yeah. straight, and it, 
like the thumb follows. Um, that that's really <laughs> lovely. That's really well that's made. That's really yeah. lovely. Yeah. The lovely gloves. As Jimison's of Shetland are one of the partners of Wool Week, I had to, of course, ask if there was anything that they could tell us about Wool Week 2015, because you know I I do like to get you the good stuff. <laughs> But I thought it was worth mentioning that uh, Shetland Wool Week's programme is out very soon. I believe it's the 25th of May. Unless, like me, you bought a membership, in which case you get an earlier sneaky peek. The tickets aren't on sale yet, but they will be very soon. So keep your eye on shetlandwoolweek.com. We are doing the tour again. We're doing it twice this year because it sells out so fast every year. We're doing it on the Monday and the Wednesday. Um, So... Yeah, and I think I've been roped in to do a, f- a couple of talks in the evening as well, here in the tune. Again, just explaining what process and things. For far to kind of win it on the tour, obviously. So I think that was one of the complaints last year, was there wasn't enough things to do at that- evening. I mean, obviously, I'm on the, on the sort of committee that they sort of said, well, we just kind of expected fuck maybe just to want time off. But apparently no. not. Yeah. Wool the way a drug addict wants yeah. drugs. It's just like full it's, belt, absolutely everything exactly they can have. Right. That's yeah. actually quite accurate. Yeah, it was it crazy. Yeah. They've got Spicet Islesboro every single day, Good. which is just like, Good. I think there's coffee and cake and rooms to just sit and, and knit and yeah. yarn and, and just yeah. in, enjoy and just feel the atmosphere of the whole thing. I think there, we're getting such a, an amazing response for fucking. The feedback that came back uh, certainly last year um, was was really good and really constructive too. Mm-hmm. Ken Fock was saying what really worked it and also no fair to say what maybe didn't work mm-hmm. and that's actually more important. Yeah. Um, because yeah. yeah, praise is fantastic and give yourself a pat on the back but actually being said, Ken, what transport was a nightmare to Sandwich, mm-hmm. for example. That was one of the things that, that came up. So this year, you know, we're trying to trying to build that's, that in but it's just growing arms and legs. Like, like overall, there was 100% positive feedback yeah. in the things. I mean, they were little niggles, but... Can't exactly. improve you don't get tell what you're doing wrong. I mean, like, the, the programme is action-packed this year. There is a lot going on, which is great. It's great. It looks, it's looking really good. Like, yeah. it, is, it is actually. I mean, Selena came on. She basically... I think she'd been in the job about a week before Wool Week last year. We just got the funding yeah. in place for our postgrad, um, and she was just in place. And I, th- I think she... <laughs> Poor glass. She was just thrown completely into the deep end. She was like, oh, my God, look at all these people. Yeah. And they're all super duper enthusiastic you know, and and I think that took her aback but she totally rose to challenge it you know? she's so good at her job yeah she's she she's done really really well I can't appraise the last enough and I mean she really has and she's pulled with all the stops and the, the programme she's not fair to shout at us when we've no tell her what we need to tell her <laughs> that's, really that's great yeah I like that's people really, hassling me that's awesome that's... we've seemed to manage to get the flock book on board this year and they're going to try and make a bigger thing of the flock book cell which is good. super duper unique um, and I think it's one of these things that a lot of folk maybe doesn't quite realise how unique it is for Shetland ever. Again, that kind of a, a premium fleece, if you will, or a premium, premium breed. Yeah. It gives some indication of uh, how a crofter can can sort of breed to produce something made as just meat, which unfortunately, yeah. I mean, Shetland wool is really a byproduct. It's actually been classified as government as a byproduct. Wool is now officially a byproduct, which is horrific in my book. <laughs> it's a horrible part. In fact, when the vet that came to. Um, the, to go to look at what a facility for keeping the wool in, um, you know, he he sort of came and announced himself and told me it was a byproduct, and I very nearly shut in the door. I was like, How <laughs> dare you come in here and tell me my livelihood is a <laughs> yes. is a byproduct? Um, He's doing his job, and and they came and they looked at what we were doing and, and how we had it set up. And there was a few changes to be made to come up to scratch with the new protocols and stuff that came in, mm-hmm. but it has been it's officially a a, a byproduct. It's a terrible thing, and unfortunately in in 
crofting terms really is because people breed sheep for meat, you know, because yeah, that's where the real money is. Yeah. Um, and Not that very much either. Well, no, with his good years <laughs> and bad years. However, you know, wool, and certainly, I mean, we've we've paid a lot more for fleece over the last few years. It was, it was really gotten very much into doldrums, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, something had to be done, and, and we sort of started to push the price. Um, and I'm glad to say we, we pay, I think we doubled the price in a year. Mm-hmm. One year we paid like 60 pence a kilo for it, the next year we were paying like a pound 80 a kilo. Wow. There, and there it sat for like the last for 20 years. And I'm glad to say that their wool brokerage in Shetland it followed suit and they, and they kept coming. And it's meant that we've, you know, the crofter in, in Shetland is actually getting a reasonable amount of money for their wool now. Mm-hmm. It was coming to the stage where Fox was just burning it, leaving yeah. it in the crew. I mean, okay. it, it was getting to the stage where it, something had to be done. We had a right to, you know really pull our socks up or look at the whole industry and how it was going to go. I always knew Jimson's of Shetland was a family affair, but I didn't really appreciate fully that cohesiveness and that tight-knit connection is what makes them so special and makes the company so special. It was really fantastic to hear how Gary, and Lizzie too, spark with genuine enthusiasm and warmth for the jobs that they do and I don't think the company would have lasted so long or be so successful without that all hands to the pump um, we're all in this together attitude. It makes Shetland wool from Shetland even more sort of prestigious in a way when it's produced with that kind of of, uh, commitment and I think you'll agree with me that it's really lovely to hear that enthusiasm and and as Lizzie goes on to say in this next piece, they are a very special team. I mean, you can kind of see from what Gary's saying why there aren't very many places that go from raw material to finished product in-house. No. Yeah. You need a sp- special group of people who can actually do it. Yeah. You really do. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think that's the key, and I think that's why it's been going for five generations. And do you think <laughs> well, it'll go for the sixth? Then? I have two pretty lasses, and there are only two and four, so I'll, do, I'll just I'll hand me judgment for a year or two yet. No, I... No. It's never too early to get them appreciating no. wool. And- I mean, I, I, I really... It was not something that my family ever pushed me to. Mm-hmm. Um, they never once said, Kane, what about working in the mill? Um, it was just something that we never ever spoke about. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just a choice. Yeah. It was a choice, entirely my choice. I'm willing to maybe say my father maybe was not relieved when somebody said, <laughs> see, when you just have to work till he died. Um, we might do that anyway, Kane and him. But, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he, he is actually currently upstairs a, uh, while uh, uh, painting and, and fixing a wine in our store, so can I mean? Not stop. And we we will be here till midnight tonight because he's got me working with him tonight. So. It's hilarious. You'll get all you get these kind of glamorous tourists coming in, and Peter wanders in in this holy old jumper with something in his hair and grease all over his hands and a boiler suit, and I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the um, CEO and handyman. Yeah, I, I I'm just the slave. So if anybody ever asks me what I do, I say I'm the slave because I do literally whatever job whoever couldn't make their work that day isn't a doing that's what yeah, I ended up do it. I spent the last two days cleaning my store clearing up in my store <laughs> the arm store was a bomb site. it's getting better now so it, uh, yes. oh. but no I mean that's maybe one of the reasons why it why it works for Wiz anyway is the fact that any of us can do any job um, we can maybe no I can't do it as well as what the people who do it every day does. I'll never say I can, but I know how to switch on every machine. How's about that for a while? <laughs> and also, yeah, clearing up the store. Mm-hmm. The, the, 
doesn't matter whose name's above the door, the story yeah. is tied up. Go and get on with it again. And right, that's right. always been what our attitude towards anyone. And if it's then the worst job in the world, like clearing out a drain that's blocked and stuff like this. Generally speaking, it'll be me and Dad the rain so one day. And yeah, then that's that's kind of what ethos no, the whole line. No need to go back to the floor because you're on the floor and you're, we're, on, we're you're on, in the office and you're I everywhere. I think that's sometimes what sort of some of these really big fancy department stores we sell to in Japan can understand. Massive, huge. They've got a, a store that Max Harrods look like a, a Harry's. Um, you know, it's and and. They're, they can't understand why dads no answer their email within 20 minutes. It's because he's up to the yeah. up to here <laughs> in a in a in a machine, you know. Yeah. Because can what the blinder's broken, and that means we're not making yarn, so we got to fix that yeah, blinder, we'll that. and we have to fix that right now. There were Japanese buyers here a few months ago, and they were completely baffled by the fact that um, <laughs> Mr. Peter kept on going by carrying bits of machinery mm-hmm. <laughs> because, had, because he has something he has to fix we had a, a visit for a, for a buyer one time just out of the blue he was actually in Shetland on holiday um, a buyer for a big big company in Japan and we were actually installing one new boiler that day and there was a man with a crane lifting it in the door and we're on nine scaffolding buttons and this oh hi <laughs> we're just absolutely covered in in, uh, in boiler stuff um, you know and it's yeah we we, I, we enjoy that that's actually quite one of the bits that we Why, really enjoy about it no great team is one job no and actually that's one of the great things in the working in a factory if you work at the same machine all day every day there is nothing more boring it's inherently boring working in a factory it's going to be mm-hmm. um, but if you can't have to do five jobs in that factory and something different needs then you need to go and wash hanks for a day it's just a break yeah, can you just yeah. go and do something Bye-bye. it's a different piece of concrete to stand on if nothing else <laughs> um, you know and I, I think that's that's kind of important as well yeah. keeps everybody keeps everybody moving Definitely. keep it jovial <laughs> <laughs> quite right Thank you so much to Gary Jimison and Lizzie Ratter for letting British into Jimison's of Shetland, for letting me squee over all the yarn and uh, knitwear and woven goods and for showing us exactly why Jimison's of Shetland is a unique business and uh, giving us that little insight into, into the business. As Gary said, not all of their knitwear and woven items are online, but they do have an extensive amount of wool online, as well as their fat quarters of the woven uh, cloth. And you can find all that at www.jimisonsofshitland.co.uk. They're also on Facebook and have a group on Ravelry. Again, thanks so much for for allowing us to understand that enthusiasm and giving us that insight into what goes into producing Shetland wool from Shetland. I could have spent a lot longer there and uh, asked a lot more questions. Thanks, thanks so much to them for their hospitality. Thanks for listening to the Woolwork podcast. I was your host, Louise Scully. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore Woolwork and why not join in with the Woolwork group on Ravelry too. Full show notes with images and links can be found by following the link in the show notes on your app. This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place.
Sons of my